Father. We pause now to ask for the guidance of the Holy Spirit as we consider today's teaching from your word. As I share your message, Father, may each one listening have their specific questions answered. Please give us all understanding and conviction. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for those of you who were listening last week, you may may remember that Pastor Jose talked about um, a discussion that he had with his daughter while they're sitting on the couch watching a television program called Property Brothers. I kind of smiled when I heard that uh, because I remember having a similar conversation a number of years ago. And secondly, I had already chosen um, the illustration that I wanted to begin my sermon with this week. And though it was not about Property Brothers, it was from another series on flipping houses. <laughs> flipping houses. Some of you are saying, what in the world is flipping houses? But it's kind of an important thing to know, especially if you're like my husband and I. Um, my husband and I, Richard, get a kick out of making older homes new. Now this was begun mostly out of necessity and it's been continued mostly out of necessity. (laughs) So it's a good thing to know about fixing up older homes. And this is why a program on flipping houses gets my attention. Uh, There's one part of it that's really interesting to me. It's what is often called D-Day. Now we've heard about D-Day that has to do with World War II. This is a different kind of D-Day. Demolition Day. <laughs> and um, maybe some of you know about knocking down walls and removing old cabinets and uh, taking uh, care of some outdated bathroom fixtures. Maybe the wallpaper, kitchen tile, you name it. If it needs to go, it goes on Demolition Day. And it's really usually a messy day. What I especially like to see is not the mess. (laughs) I don't really go for really messy days. But what I want to see is what is hiding under the carpet. Or whatever the floor covering is. Might be something else. Sometimes the workers have to peel away a lot of layers. Have you seen that done? They go down through maybe two or three types of carpet. And there may be some tile, maybe even some linoleum. I know half of this congregation doesn't even know what linoleum is (laughs) because you're so young. Well, I'll just tell you, Google it. You can find out. Anyway, as the workers peel off the layers, I'm always hopeful that the original flooring is hardwood in good shape. It can be repaired, can't it, Michael? By re-sanding it and putting some stain on it and varnishing it, it will look like new. I think it's because to me, uh, why do I have this thing about hardwood floors? I mean, really, isn't there something better? (laughs) But to me, it's important. And I think to me, it's because hardwood floors are an example that, that has lasted from the beginning of the home And they're still there, available to continue blessing the current owners. Blessing them with many ways. They don't have to replace the floor. Really, that's a good blessing, isn't it? But also with more years of 
solid wooden floors under their feet. And hardwood floors, in a way, also provides an authentic connection between the old and the new. So that's who we are here today, the old and the new. And um, this illustration of what does it have to do with today's topic? Well, as we peel away the layers, I think you will understand. So let's begin, okay? My sermon today about, is about what does the Bible say about the Sabbath? Sabbath rest. Our listeners ask a number of general and specific questions, some of them quite specific, about the Sabbath. And in our time today, we're going to review and renew and maybe understand for the first time more about the Sabbath according to the Bible. Now, for those of you that have kept the Sabbath for many years, you may think, oh, bro, I don't know if I want to hear a general review of the Sabbath. That may seem a little unnecessary. However, as I was preparing this message for today, uh, I, I gained a deeper understanding of a specific promise, and I will point that out to you later in the sermon. And I've been a Sabbath keeper since I was nine years old. So we, maybe there's a aha moment for you ahead today too. The Bible says Sabbath is a very special day for God and for us. So let's begin in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Okay. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it, he rested from all his work, which he had done. So that's the beginning of our uh, discussion about the Sabbath. Today, as I said, we want to review and renew and then I want to just look at a couple of definitions. We, we just read across this very quickly and say, and he blessed the Sabbath and he sanctified it. Blessed means to make holy or sacred. And sanctified means to set apart as holy or to consecrate. So this is the meaning of the words in this particular verse. I want us to continue now with review of the fourth commandment. Now the fourth commandment is the longest commandment of the ten that were given by God to the children of Israel at Mount Sinai. This is recorded in Exodus 20 verses 8 through 10. And um, I want you to join me in reading these verses out loud. Either from the screen behind me here or from your Bible or from a pew Bible which is uh, page 52 is where this is located. I'll recite from your memory. I know some of you have probably recited this from memory at sundown, either on Friday night or Saturday night or maybe both. It's a way of remembering this uh, special day. So let's read together now. Our remember together. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. 
but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. I recently read an article which was published in the March 2017 Adventist World North American Division edition. This was written by assistant editor Stephen Chavez. And this is what he wrote. From the beginning of time during creation week, each new day began at sunset. So the evening and the morning were the first day. This is Genesis 1-5. When God finished his work, he blessed the seventh day and made holy the time between sundown on the sixth day of the week and sundown on the seventh day of the week. That's why we worship from sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night. It's the day God blessed and set aside for that particular purpose. Chavez's article is titled, From Sundown to Sundown, What Difference Does It Make? So let me share a story from Chavez's article which answers this question, what difference does it make? The sun was just about to go down as Dennis drove a flatbed truck filled with firewood up the driveway to his last delivery for the day. At the sound of the truck coming into his yard, the homeowner, Oscar, walked into the yard and spoke to Dennis. Dennis was already unloading the truck. So he said, I told you to deliver the wood before sundown. And Oscar said, kind of emphatically, you're here now. And Dennis looked around and said, yeah, well, I didn't quite make it. I had trouble with my truck. Fortunately, it's still loud enough that I can get it unloaded before dark. Oscar, who was a relatively new Seventh-day Adventist, walked into the house. He returned carrying his Bible. Stop unloading, he said. This is my Sabbath, and we don't work on the Sabbath. Well, it's not my Sabbath, Dennis said. Oscar was ready, so he opens his Bible to Exodus 20, and he read, Six days shall you do all your labor. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. You are the stranger within my gates, said Oscar. I don't want you working on my property on Sabbath. Dennis protested that his truck, still loaded with wood, might not even make it home. He already had trouble with his truck. He had to get rid of this load because the next day he had more deliveries to make. However, Oscar stood his ground. Not only did Dennis leave without unloading that firewood, he later returned to learn, to learn more, to learn more about the Sabbath. Oscar was right about the Sabbath. Beginning at sundown, 
he, he was right, but he might have been more considerate. After all, Jesus said about the Sabbath in Luke 14, 5, which of you having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? Not all work is prohibited on the Sabbath. A few months after this story happened, this episode, I, and that would be Stephen Chavez, the teller of the story, had the privilege of baptizing Dennis, the truck driver, into the Seventh-day Adventist church, all because of Oscar, a new believer who guarded the edges of the Sabbath. But Dennis and Oscar went on to learn that the Sabbath isn't just about a day, sundown to sundown. It's about having a relationship with God and having a day, 24 hours, to focus exclusively on that relationship. So from sundown to sundown, what difference does a few minutes make? In this story, it made quite a lot of difference, didn't it? Let's put this into a little more familiar perspective. Perhaps you are a married couple or you're an unmarried couple and you have set aside a date night. One night a week you have reserved for time together to focus on your relationship. Oh, for that time, right? (laughs) All of us busy people. Maybe date night is Thursday night. But you don't wait until Thursday night to decide where you're going to go or what you're going to do. Um, Maybe even some want to think about what they're going to wear. That would usually be uh, one, the the females probably would be more concerned about what they were going to wear, maybe. You have been planning for this special time throughout the week. This is an example of how we can reap the maximum benefits of keeping the Sabbath. We don't wait until sundown Friday evening to plan how we're going to spend the Sabbath. We can use the days and hours leading up to Sabbath to prepare for a relaxed, non-stressful 24 hours with our Creator. That just brings my thought back to the special music we had this morning, talking about Sabbath or the rest that we can have in Jesus. Speaking of being relaxed and non-stressed, and this is not for a question to answer out loud, How many of us truly know how to rest and relax anymore? In an article relating to athletes and their conditioning, Andrew Yuyama says, knowing Jesus on a deeper level and becoming more like him requires a cycle of stressful exertion and recovery. What does he mean by that? It sounds like exercise, doesn't it? Here's the cycle he was speaking about. In other words, six days you work, but on the seventh day you do not work. This is how the Bible describes it in Exodus 23:12. Andrew is an associate pastor of the Grass Valley Seventh-day Adventist Church in Grass Valley, California. And he also provides some practical benefits for spiritual rest and recovery. Here's what he says. Number one, do happy things. Hang out with friends and family. How many of you like to do happy things, hanging out with friend and family? Well, some of you do. (laughs) 
I know I do. I found an example of this type of happy thing in another article, which was compiled by the editors of the Adventist World publication, entitled Sabbath Memories from Around the World. I found several examples of doing happy things on Sabbath, and one was titled, Sabbath is Family. Can I hear any amens? Sabbath is family. I saw these beautiful children up here, I know Sabbath is family. (laughs) As I read it, I realized that this story was written by someone many of us know. In fact, she and her husband are members of the Pioneer Memorial Church, And here's what she wrote in Sabbath Memories from Around the World. By the way, her special memory is coming from the, her first, uh, our birth home in the Inter-American Division. She says, my best Sabbath was any Sabbath spent with family at my grandparents' house. Although I've tried to recall, I can't remember a singular Sabbath that stands out, however, However, every Sabbath spent in deep conversation and laughter around the table with my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, my friends, and immediate family, while we ate Sabbath lunch, it's etched in my heart, etched in my heart. I loved to listen to the different perspectives that each person had to share. It stimulated my intellect and caused warm fuzzies to grow, etched in my heart. Because of this time spent together, accompanied by my grandmother's finest cooking, I loved conversing and fellowshipping with others. This is what Sabbath means to me. This memory was shared by our own Marguerite Samuel, who is identified as a stay-at-home mom who founded and directs a choral music organization named Journey, Journey Ministries. And of course, we know Marguerite even more so as an active church member, a soloist, and a leader of many other musical groups right here, including our own PMC church choir. So I'm sure her story may have reminded you of similar memories of family relationship building around the Sabbath dinner table. I know it did for me. Now let's go back to Andrew again his article, The Science of Spiritual Gains, Condition is Not Just, Conditioning is Not Just Physical. This is from, as I said, the July 2017 Adventist Review, right off the press. Here's the idea from Andrew. Another one, for practical rest and spiritual recovery. He says, number two, serve others. A surprisingly powerful way to break a way to find rest is to intentionally serve others. This takes your mind off your daily stressors. And this example that I'm going to share with you now also comes from that same article, Sabbath Memories from Around the World. This memory was shared by Lin Nu Gujan Tai Puang, an accounting teacher at Asia Pacific International University in Mualek, Thailand. Lynn says, Sabbath is a day for rest and a day of sharing God's love and word. And then she remembers, as a college student, I had the opportunity to join a trip to an AIDS hospital 
in Mapura, Thailand with my professors and friends on Sabbath. It was a great way of sharing God's word and love. That day has become one of my most memorable Sabbaths. After the church service, we traveled almost two hours to the AIDS hospital. When we entered the patient's hall, the atmosphere was quiet and somber. I saw sadness and pain in the eyes of the many patients. We brought fruits for each patient. We provided massage, shared some Bible verses, and tried to talk to them in Thai and English. She says, considering that neither is my native language, communication wasn't always easy. But communication is not always from our mouth, is it? It's often uh, from what we do and that people uh, accept as the best type of communication. Somehow, she says, our present brought our presence brought light, hope, and comfort to them. She adds a little side note. If we love and are kind to one another, our lives will be meaningful. We need to be thankful for the miracles of God that he performs for us every day. No matter what problems we face right now, we can find courage and strength in God to face them. I know many of you have been involved in all types of outreach to your neighbors, to others, been to the hospital and nursing homes, and you understand what Andrew is saying here. We, we break away to find rest by intentionally serving others. Okay, here's number three. Embrace the Sabbath, he says. God who created us and knows our needs sets out a whole day for spiritual recovery and growth. And I love his um, details here. He says, when you go to church, worship with all your heart. When someone says, good morning or happy Sabbath, say it back as cheerfully as you can. I think we need to just, I know I saw you roaming around and saying hello to people earlier and you were already doing that. But let's practice together. Turn to your neighbor and practice saying, hello, good morning, happy Sabbath, whatever you want to do. Okay, let's hear it. That's good. (laughs) I'm clapping for you. (laughs) Here's another thing he suggests. Okay, listen to this one. He says, sing with all your heart. How about that, Michael? Sing with all your heart. He says, even if you can't hold a note, go for it. We're not going to try that out right now, okay? But that's another wonderful thing to do. And when the offering plate comes around, give generously. From the stewardship pastor's perspective, that is really good information. And here's another one for all of the preachers. Give the preacher some loud amens. (laughs) And take a break from avoidable stressors. Do you have any avoidable stressors? Amen. (laughs) I'm amening you. This is one of my avoidable stressors. My cell phone and maybe any other digital device that might interrupt my communion with God. We all have these avoidable stressors in our life. So let's turn them off, especially on Sabbath, and have some less stress. 
And here's the last recommendation from Andrew's practical list of benefits for spiritual rest and recovery. He says, savor some solitude. Do we even know what solitude is? I think of solitude by taking a break, going out, sitting in the swing on my back porch, just watching the birds come to the feeder and the squirrels trying to get up there too. That's a solitude time. He says, savor some solitude with your savior. You will be blown away at how life-changing a little bit of alone time with Jesus can be. Amen and thank you to Andrew for his recommendations. There are a couple of more uh, questions from our listeners. Or there were a couple. We had more, uh, of more questions than a couple more. And uh, they were about whether it is all right to do specific things on the Sabbath. Now, as Seventh-day Adventists, we really don't have a book of rules, so to say, specifying how to keep the Sabbath holy. As with all our beliefs, as we are doing with this sermon series, we turn to the Bible as the basis for belief and practice. Of course, our best examples of proper Sabbath keeping were provided by Jesus, who is indeed Lord of the Sabbath. In the Bible, we read about how Jesus went about teaching and healing. And by the way, most of his healing miracles were performed on the Sabbath and also taking care of people's needs, sometimes by providing food, maybe 5,000 at a time. However, in the Bible, we also read that during the time Jesus was on this earth, the scribes and Pharisees had made the observance of Sabbath an intolerable burden. Intolerable burden. Jesus came to free the Sabbath from all those requirements that had made the Sabbath a curse instead of a blessing. Here's what Ellen White says in Desire of Ages, page 205. Both by his words and by his works of mercy, he, Jesus was breaking the oppressive power of the old traditions and man-made commandments and presenting the love of God in its exhaustless fullness. Also from the book Desire of Ages, Ellen says, the Jews had so perverted the law that they made it a yoke of bondage, especially was the Sabbath hedged in by all manner of senseless restrictions. Thus the Sabbath was not a delight, the holy of the Lord and honorable. Now in my research for this sermon, I found some examples of these rules. There's lots of them, many to choose from. I just chose four. This is a sampling from the scribes and Pharisees. They taught that you should not look into a mirror on the Sabbath because you might be tempted to pluck out a gray hair. (laughs) And that would be reaping. (laughs) For some of us, it'd be a long time of reaping. (laughs) Number two, according to the scribes and Pharisees, a donkey could be led out of the stable on Sabbath, but the harness and saddle had to be placed on him the day before. Poor donkey. This is about sundown. If the candles were lit, When the Sabbath came at sundown, you could not blow them out. 
I guess they just stayed lit all night. However, if they had not been lit in time, then you could not light them. <laughs> and this is the most unusual one, and I read several. This is the most unusual one that I read. You could only eat an egg that had been laid on Sabbath if, and there's a big if here, you could only eat an egg that had been laid on Sabbath if you killed the chicken for Sabbath breaking. Is that weird? <laughs> Just weird. Anyway, this is how we can get off on a wrong, wrong track, can't we? When we start to make rules and regulations, man-made rules and regulations, to, um, in this case, change how we kept Sabbath. These are just four examples. I was thinking, you know, what a poor representation of God's character that this must have been to all of the nations surrounding Israel. And um, Jesus came to set the record straight and show that the Sabbath was indeed God's gift of love to everyone, not a day full of nitpicking rules. Here's another question regarding Sabbath observance from a listener. Uh, they said, why should I go to church? I spend my own personal time with God. We've already provided a partial answer to this question. Remember, Pastor Andrew told us that having time along with Jesus was a, one of the practical benefits of rest and spiritual recovery. He said it would blow our minds, which means it would be fantastic. So, alone time with Jesus is good on Sabbath or any other day. Now for the rest of the answer to this question. <clears throat> In Luke 4.16 we read, So Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, and we know the rest of it, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. We find that the Bible provides many examples of Jesus, the disciples, and the apostles being in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Another example is given when there was no synagogue. This is from Acts 16, 13. It's about Paul. Here's what Paul did. He went out of the city when he could not find a synagogue. He went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made and he sat down and spoke to the women whom he met there. So it appears that Paul thought meeting with others on the Sabbath day was so important, important that he went looking for a group to worship together with, and he found them. It's important for us to follow Jesus' example in worshiping with others. Not only will we be blessed, but the others we worship will be blessed by our presence. For as, memory, as, as members of God's family, we all need each other. Remember there's a, a song, maybe it's too old for some of you, <clears throat> but a song that was titled, No Man or Woman is an Island. It's true. We are not islands. Now in closing, I want to share a thought from Pastor Skip McCarty's book, in granite are ingrained what the old and new covenants reveal about the gospel, the law, and the Sabbath. 
truly a whole series of sermons could be provided from this book. However, I want to share just one important concept from chapter 10. It's titled Covenant Rest and specifically a section titled The Sabbath Sign of Covenant Rest. By the way, this is the teaching I mentioned earlier when I was talking about the hardwood floors and how I stated I had gained a deeper understanding of the Sabbath as symbolically the layers were peeled away. I better understand how the Sabbath is a sign of covenant rest and the continuity of the old and new covenants. This is quoting now from Pastor Skip. When God codified or arranged systematically the Sabbath commandment in the Decalogue at Sinai, he invested with both temporal and spiritual significance. On the one hand, temporal, it provided much physical rest and restoration from the labor of the week. On the other hand, spiritual, it was to continually remind his covenant people that he himself was their true rest. They could trust him, their creator, to make provision for temporal needs on this earth and provision also for the spiritual necessity to secure their place in his eternal kingdom. The truth must never be lost from view. The Sabbath represented not merely physical rest, but even more importantly, spiritual rest. So you may know that I am the Lord, the Lord who makes you holy. Pastor Skip continued uh, here, the rest envisioned in the Sabbath provided physical rest from labor in order to promote deeper spiritual rest in God. Sabbath rest with its temporal and spiritual blessings was not offered exclusively to the nation of Israel, but to all humankind. The Sabbath was made for man, Mark 2.27. The Sabbath was made for us. The only true rest for all humanity is in God. The Sabbath of the fourth commandment represents that universal, timeless truth. The Sabbath always pointed beyond itself to him who is humanity's true rest. God intended that in observing the Sabbath, humanity would be drawn by his spirit more deeply into rest with him. Today we review just a few things that the Bible says about the Sabbath. Our challenge is to dig deeper. And as we do, we will become more aware of God's love to us of the Sabbath as a memorial of creation and most importantly of his desire to have a closer relationship with us. How could we not join him with joy and praise every Sabbath? May our lives reflect our love and thankfulness for this true reflection of God's character is my prayer.